Hi guys, welcome back to the Triple J podcast. Today we have Jake, Jake and myself alongside special guest, which is Jack Simmons. He is a very, very smart dude. He is a soon to be MSc in nutrition, online coach, very, very clever man. Jack, please introduce yourself. Uh, hello, my name is Jack Simons. Um, that's a bane in my life, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm not only... I'm only like partially very offended, but um, yeah, my name is Jack Simons. I am an online coach like the rest of these guys. I um, host my own podcast, the very humbly named Jack Simons podcast. Um, and I like quite a lot of dif- different things. I'm, I'm a fan of sports. Like uh, Jack said, just done my MSc. Um, what else can, what else can you know about me? Speak uh, Spanish. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I did a, did an undergrad in firefighting. So that was pretty cool. Um, and sort of worked in Lanks fire service on placement for a while. So that was, that was really interesting. Lived a lot of places. Yeah. That's, that's me. Madness. Well, I think firstly, apologies for getting your surname wrong. We'll get no, it's, uh, it's fine. It's fine. Does it happen often? Does it, does it, does it trigger you a lot? <laughs> um, no, it used to, to be fair. It did used to, I, I used to be like, no, Simon's you bastard. But actually, um, now I've got, I've got to the point where I just, I don't even mention it anymore, except for that, for comedic value. But um, yeah, I don't even mention it anymore. I can't, can't be bothered. Until now, I thought it was Simmons as well. It's fine. It's all right. It is written like Simmons in it, really. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a yeah. few Simmons that play for Exeter um, Rugby Club. So that's, that's how I pronounced it that way. I'll let you off. I'll let you off. Don't worry. Cool, man. All right, before we get into it, what is your one random fact for the podcast? Oh, fuck. Right. Okay, cool. Are you ready for this? Do any of you know about 52 Factorial? No, brilliant, right? A deck of cards, 52 cards. If you shuffle a deck of cards, it is likely that 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 shuffle that you've done, that arrangement of cards has never, ever been um, in that arrangement ever since the beginning of time. It's the biggest, most astronomical number you can think of. Like The amount of ways a a deck of cards can be organized is mind-boggling. In fact, the amount of ways a deck of cards can be organized is larger than the amount of atoms there are on earth, which is baffling, isn't it? That is mad. Most people don't believe that as well. They're like, they're like, nah, bullshit. But it's like, you can, if you Google it, if you Google 52 factorial, there is a, like a, a, um, like a breakdown of just how big that number is. And like the guy goes into sort of like, if you stood at one point on the equator and waited a billion years and took a step and then waited another billion years and took another step until you got around the entire earth. And then when you got around the entire earth, you took a drop out of the Pacific ocean. And then you did that again. And when you got back to the same spot, you took another drop out. You carried on doing that until the Pacific ocean was empty. And then you put, started doing it and laying down pieces of paper as well. Once that stack of pieces of paper in the Pacific uh, ocean is empty, you would only like have elapsed like a, a fraction of time left. If that stack of paper reached the sun, it's it's like the most mind-boggling number on it. It's definitely worth uh, googling fifty-two factorial. Yeah, it's like you know when you were at school, yeah, when you was a kid, you had a calculator, <laughs> and you used to do like two hundred fifty times two hundred fifty, and you just keep doing it until it came up with some weird thing, and it come up with like the e, e plus sixty-seven. You're like, what the hell is this number? That's pretty much what it is. Eight point zero five eight seven one e plus sixty-seven. So. It's 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 the biggest number. Like, it's it's so huge. Um, there's a great, I don't know if you've watched Vsauce before, but there's a guy on Vsauce who, yeah. who talks through it, that, that whole kind of like walking around the equator thing. It just, it's mind blowing. I think it's amazing. So that's one of my favorite facts. Like that is pretty mad, that. Yeah. That's massive. I feel like I'm All learning. Right, 
Yeah, yeah. But it's like we're back at school, which probably brings us nicely onto the, the first major topic. What made you switch from going and doing a, well, we can talk about it first, but like talk us through what it was like being a firefighter. I mean, right. I won't, I won't make the claim that I was like a fully fledged firefighter. I was on placement. I did a lot of the training and stuff, but there was a few things like I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to work with radiation and stuff, but we go along on calls and go out on like jobs and stuff. And I'd go in and, you know, spray water and shit like that. Like it was, it was cool. Yeah. It was a really cool job. Um, you work a lot with the community, which is, is really nice. I think that's kind of like the basis of maybe not the basis, but that's where I first understood. I was like, Oh, I do like helping people like it, you know, that's what first kind of came to mind, but, um yeah it was it was a sick job there was ironically there was a lot of saving cats like that is a, a big part of the job i think <laughs> i can remember the amount of times i went in there was like a disproportionate amount of times i had to like rescue a cat or help rescue a cat from somewhere which was quite interesting um but yeah it was a sick, sick job it is a really really sick job um but why did i leave i think i think there was just it, something didn't feel 100% right about it and i think sometimes when things are like that you should always kind of follow your gut instinct and and uh go with that yeah so you kind of have a, an idea of what that that feeling was what that gut instinct was i think it's just a feeling really i've i've always always trusted that kind of gut, gut instinct i think when you kind of are torn between two things um you if you have a gut instinct i think you should always kind of go with it because i think it's more than likely the right thing and if it's not then at least you were like well i went with what felt right at the time instead of doing something that you didn't want to do and then you're like oh shit that fucked up anyway and and i didn't want to do it in the first place so it's always kind of the best thing i was reading i was actually reading some research earlier so we were talking before this about um potentially looking for a move to london which is quite exciting but um i was reading some research earlier about uh if you've got like a way up between two decisions what should you do and they've done this research i think it was last year or year before um Toronto I, I'm clearly can't remember it that well but um essentially what it was is they got all these participants thousands of participants to like flip a coin if they had a big decision coming up and if it was heads they go make the big decision if it was tails they stay stay with the status quo stick with what's kind of normal they found a lot of things out of that one was if you got the heads you were 25% more likely to make the decision and make the change but there was an overwhelming kind of stack of evidence in the favor of if you make a change you will end up happier off the back of that decision so if you've got a big decision it's either staying the same or making the change you should often make the change because it's kind of the change from what's normal and i think that kind of rings true for most things yeah you could you could relate that to like uh, that just uh, sparked something which i talked about in my recent content which is breaking mm -hmm. up with somebody if you have to make a pros and cons list you have to think about breaking up with somebody then just make the decision and break up with them because you shouldn't have them thoughts it's like, yeah, what's what's the simplest kind of route to, to where you want to be? If you've got to kind of overcomplicate things and dance around stuff, you're probably better off going with the simpler solution. Another thing I heard as well is that normally what happens is, uh, I don't know if it's more of a saying, but you flip a coin, the thing that you're thinking about when it's up in the air is the decision you should make. Because obviously you might be going, oh, please make, please let me move to London, please don't move to London. Well, you've already made your decision before you've actually looked at the coin. Your body, that, your, yeah. your body knows what decision you'd rather have on there. That's that gut feeling, isn't it, really? You flip the coin, that's where that gut feeling really comes through and you're like, ah, I know what I want. Yeah. Pretty mad. So then why did the MSc in nutrition come about? Like, Why was that the next logical step for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, gut feeling. It was really gut feeling. So I was, I was in Australia at the time. I'd, I'd finished that with the fire service and finished my undergrad. And I was like, oh, I, I kind of want to, 
see the world a bit more. I've always been into traveling and gone quite a few places. Um, but yeah, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go Australia, I'm gonna do it. So went there kind of, again, I think a little bit kind of lost in where I was because I'd finished such a big thing. And I was like, right, what's, what's the next decision? I didn't really have that next step lined up. So when I got there, it was pretty cool, just kind of party, traveled and stuff like that. But towards the end, when I was like, right, I've got to go home soon. Um, I was like, well, what, what do I really realistically want to do? And those two things was one, I want to stay here in Australia and live here permanently one day. Um, and the other was like, well, if I want to do that, I need to get my sort of, you know, I need to get myself in the right position to be able to do that. So um, I think I was just kind of sat there and I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? And I was stressing over it for a little bit. I was like, what do I like doing? Someone, I remember watching a video, someone's like, you can get paid for like pretty much anything you do. Like you can watch three-year-olds on YouTube nowadays who earn more than most, even most adult millionaires. They earn millions of pounds just opening toys on YouTube. And I was like, fuck, if you can, if you can get paid for that. I mean, as a child who's barely even speak can do that. Do you know what I mean? They still, still like shit, shit their pants and get their parents to wipe their bum. Like if they can do that, why can't I make a living out of something I enjoy? And I was like, what do I enjoy? And I was like, oh fuck. Like I've always just enjoyed sport and like fitness stuff. And I really did find nutrition podcasts like extra fascinating i'd listen to like joe rogan podcasts and stuff like that and whether it was right or wrong the information i'd listen to it and be like wow this is like really fucking interesting do you know what i mean so i think that was it that was the kind of the logical step i was like that's that gut feeling again let's go for it cool anyone else want to ask a question i feel like i'm the only one right now <laughs> <laughs> i was just I gonna like say like interview. at what point was did you kind of like, I guess, start your finish journey when, at what point did you get into the gym? How has that affected how you coach now? Like bringing us through kind of that journey to where you are now. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I started when I was like, I don't know, 14, I think. I remember, I remember going and just sort of me and my mate went and we were like, oh yeah, this will help us get, get girls. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll go at 14. Um, but all I did was bicep curls, like literally. And I'm not even like exaggerating. All I did was bicep curls for about six months or something like that. I'd go in and just be like, right, cool, yeah. And then I kind of eventually sort of moved out onto like bench press, pull-ups and stuff like that. Um, never never legs, never, ever legs for, for a good few years. Um, I think I maybe threw the odd squat in here or there, but I was like, nah, that's not for me. Cheers. Um, but uh, yeah, for like a good few years, I was definitely making a lot of mistakes. I was watching. This was just going... <laughs> Just I was I was on great that nutrition pork, advice. Yeah, I was on that pork pie game train. So after that, I was like, oh right, I need to sort of find things out. So then I started watching like Athlean X and you know, all those big big YouTubers that I was like, oh this is this is some impressive stuff on here. Um, and I kind of started picking things up a little bit more. So I, I've got to say honestly, you know, if I since I've been doing this for fourteen, I would say years of of waste, like literally years and years of wasted. And I look back at that now, I'm like, oh, fuck, I wish I'd just had some good advice because I'd be miles ahead than I, than I am now, like, you know, um, at that age. So that was that was kind of annoying at, at that age. I was like, fuck's sake. But it is what it is. I mean, I suppose that's kind of one of the reasons why we preach, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, get a coach because they're going to propel you years ahead of, of where you where you are now, like compared to where you were, no, where you were, where you are now to where you want to be. They'll propel you forward. So there was that and then i can't even remember the original question because of the because of jake's cut off rude so, hey? it's, essentially it was like what's <laughs> how's it affected your, me now yeah what's your journey into fitness and yeah. into coaching being so once once i learned that i was like right let's go for it um 
and I kind of got into it and I started playing rugby and that's where I really kind of got into it a lot because there was a lot more strength and conditioning. And I think that's kind of what influences my view on things nowadays is, is a lot more performance based. And again, my degree as well is, was, you know, applied sports nutrition. It's about getting, you know, the best out of your performance from food. Um, so there, that was kind of where that came from. I, I saw, uh, it changed from kind of, oh yeah, my arms are getting a bit bigger or, you know, I feel a bit lot more muscly to, I could see a, like a, a very clear difference on the pitch when I started properly training and going to, you know, the training sessions, doing my cardio, getting my uh, weight training S and C sessions in, there was a very clear difference in, in performance. And that's kind of what's influenced how I work with people nowadays is I understand that if you work for that performance, the, the aesthetics come anyway, for the most part, and, and you can very, they're very easily intertwined, but I prefer the performance side of things because I think you, you've got, you've kind of got, well, how Joe Rogan puts it, you've got one meat vehicle, you live your life in, and you've, you know, if you are working on performance, essentially you're making sure that that meat vehicle is top notch and, and the best it can be instead of kind of looking good, but you get injured a lot or, you know, you can't, can't maybe, uh, be as functional as, as you might want to be. So I think that's how it's influenced a lot. And then even now carrying that over to sort of jujitsu training, I think that's, that's a road I'm going down more and more. Fantastic. That's a nice little intro into it. Bear in mind that you're now like pretty much have the, the MSC nutrition and you're talking about a pork pie diet. So I think it's fantastic. Well, you know, is that's the 80, 20 rule coming in. So, you know, <laughs> very true, mate. So you talk a lot about like, um, like your own meat vehicle in, in the words of Joe Rogan. Yeah. You've just gone through your own uh, photo shoot transformation kind of thing. Why don't you talk us through that a little bit? Like how how yeah, did you find it's, that? It's quite contrasting, isn't it? It's a very contrasting thing. Um, I quite like challenge and, and push myself in different areas. So it was something I'd never, I'd got quite lean before, but never done a shoot. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I need to cut down off the end of this bulk anyway. I was like, let's, let's push it to the max and, and see where it goes. Um, did it affect my performance? No, up until the last month and a half, two, two months, I would say, where I did start, start noticing, again, jujitsu, like guys I was rolling with and, and kind of, you know, at least not getting just swept all over the place. I was suddenly getting thrown all over the place. And I was like, that, that matter of a couple of kilos is, is starting to sort of show a little bit. But my energy levels dropped as well. Like I wasn't as, I didn't have as, as much kind of power where I wanted it and stuff like that. So it affected it in some ways. But in terms of the shoot itself, Loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was a really good goal. I think it's maybe not a sustainable long-term goal, but I think definitely something everyone should do once in their life and just see what they're capable of. Cause it, it does, it tests you mentally as well. A lot, a lot of it is more of a mental test than um, physical, I would say. And if, if you can push yourself in that realm, where else can you push yourself? Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I've obviously got a question for you, which I've got diverting away from slightly thinner so obviously you're looking to obviously go to Australia aren't you so again just looking to live in Australia well I think that's realistically now the way COVID's gone it's you know their, their borders are an absolute nightmare I've got some friends over there at the minute and it's just I think well, it's long term. long term I think it's more yeah longer term and obviously we've moved into Australia long term does that affect your ability to get into a relationship at all about i have actually thought about this quite a lot um yes and no i think i think it's kind of one of those things where you don't want to be actively looking for things like that you know that aren't going to work but if things come up that you think could work um yeah. then maybe you would be but at the same time 
I think a lot of the best things that have happened in my life are things that come a bit of left of field. And I've, I've, I've often sort of gone, um, had like a plan and then been like, oh, okay, how does that change that plan? How does that come into this kind of thing? I'm, I'm quite, I am someone who is very set on my kind of goals and drive for things. So let's say something come along, you know, this year, next year, whatever it is in, in, in that sort of interim time, maybe it would be like the case that I go, okay, well, maybe I don't live here permanently, but I want to be here like three months a year or something, or I want to come here for, you know, more often. So I think, I think a big part of me wants to be in Australia for, um, at least, at least want to be there like, you know, yearly in some aspect, whether that's a longer term or short term. Um, but even then, like, you know, a, a lot of stuff could change that kind of Australia goal. I think things, come and you you adapt to the plan as you go don't you definitely yeah and let's say for example you wasn't gonna to go to australia do you feel like you'd be a bit more proactive with finding a relationship um yeah probably probably i think i don't know if i honestly don't know I, if i'm being really honest covid's throwing such a kind of spin on things for me that you know things i probably would have been doing a couple of years ago just can't physically can't happen at the moment so it's sort of changing things and i think i am I, I can almost be quite set on my own goals to my own detriment sometimes. And I've learned that over time that you need to be flexible. So I am, I'm kind of open to a lot of stuff at the moment, if that makes sense. Like I'm not, I'm not shutting op off options and I'm not kind of uh, being, I suppose, I suppose stubborn with it. I, I, that's what I want to avoid doing because if something comes up, then, you know, that can always change your life for the better. And I think you should always be open to those things instead of, you know, turning shit down and being like, ah, oh, regret that. Well, if anybody thinks that this voice is very sexy, checks out his Instagram and thinks he looks sexy, he is free. He's available. Thank He's ready. You know what you should do? Show <laughs> a little voice. Up, have a little jack. <laughs> do you want to date this man? <laughs> oh, that is mad. I don't really know where to go from there, to be honest. Um, here we go. So you, you obviously have your masters. You're a very smart, you're a very smart man in terms of what you do. Oh, I'm not. You're, I'm a moron. No, but in terms of like nutritional education, like you, you're about to essentially get your marks back and be completed. Mm -hmm. What are some of the nutritional myths that you feel like people still don't understand, and you feel and you'd like to address? Yeah. Uh. Wow. I mean, that is just you can go very deep with that because there's almost everything um to right to some extent if i had to really simplify nutrition um to my understanding especially in a sports sports perspective because i think someone who would be a dietitian that's the difference as well a dietitian would look at this completely differently i think they are more health focused i think in my eyes uh if you can eat a relatively healthy diet you know eight percent of the time i per personally would say 90 if you can 90 percent of the time you can eat whole foods minimally processed um you get a range of colors in your diet don't eat just a beige food diet um get plenty of protein in and sort of um either follow a deficit or a surplus for if you want to gain or lose weight you'll be in a good spot in terms of myths oh, wow um just off the top of my head uh about creatine people say creatine will bloat you and make you look all watery and flat and stuff like that creatine is something that saturates muscle tissues so you it doesn't go into sort of the subcutaneous layer of um between sort of muscle and skin it's not it's not where it's stored in your body creatine stored in your body as creatine or phosphocreatine largely in muscle tissues um the brain as well in a little bit but for the most part you know the lion shares in muscle tissues um 
but yeah, that's it really. It breaks down if it's not in, if it's not in muscle tissue, it's going to break down to my understanding and turn into creatinine and then get excreted from the body. So creatine, <laughs> creatine's a good one. I like that one. Um, just trying to think of other ones. What's, what's, what's like a supplement or something that people often misuse? BCAAs. Um, BCAAs. Again, BCAAs. So I see a lot, I see, right. I see a lot of PTs that go, haha, they'll get like a story um question or something they'll be like bcas are they worth it and they'll be like no waste of money shit for the most part they are pretty i mean they are pretty useless however everything has a as a benefit or positive to some extent so there is some research that shows bcas can be quite beneficial in helping you out with doms so if you're someone who's suffering with uh, delayed onset muscle soreness chuck a couple bcas in might be beneficial might not you never know but for the most part again yeah, it all comes down to diet really is, is for the, for the most part. And I think people try and overcomplicate. I think that's probably it. It's not a myth as such, but I think people try and overcomplicate diet. And for the most part, it isn't that complicated to kind of um, get the basics right and, and get the lion's share. Anything beyond that is those kind of small percentages with which you probably see more within sort of the elite of the population or sports and stuff like that. To be fair, I think that's covered it for the most part. Let's go, I would say, like, really, really basic. Like, mm. if you know, I want to dive into the kind of digestion of carbs, fats, proteins, how it all works in that sense, so kind of people understand. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the myths are, oh, if you eat carbs, you're going to get fat. If you eat carbs late at night, you're going to get fat. And I just want to dispel that scientifically. <laughs> Okay, so, okay, right, carbohydrates, people think they make you fat, why do people make you think that they make you fat, it's because carbs are stored in your body as glycogen, glycogen is a very quickly efficient uh, sort of accessible fuel source for your body, it's very quick, those sort of high intensity outputs that your body uses, it uses glycogen to fuel those for the most part, um, that is if you are sort of sufficiently stored up on glycogen, so carbs are going to help you um, perform ultimately at the end of the day um we have storage mechanisms for them and if you don't eat them like a complete cunt then you'll be absolutely fine um and when i'm saying that i mean basically you essentially need to be in an energy surplus to be gaining weight over time if your body is not getting enough energy from food if your body is not getting enough energy in from food it has to have that energy somewhere from somewhere and if it doesn't get that energy from somewhere then essentially you're in a bad spot. So you need to get energy from somewhere. It takes it from stored body fat to make up that difference. That is essentially what a calorie deficit is. Is If you are putting more energy in, it stores it. It's kind of like a bank account and a savings account. You're sort of like living out of your current account every single day and you have your savings account on the side. If you want to kind of, your savings account is your body fat. If you want to kind of diminish that savings account, you need to start spending money from your savings account. If you want to start gaining you know, money in your savings account, or aka gaining body fat, you need to start adding money into the savings account. So it's it's kind of one of those things that um, I think people again look too deep in it. Energy balances everything in terms of gaining body, uh, gaining weight, and losing weight, um, or gaining body fat and losing body fat. Um, and your training is going to play a big role in in, this, in in part of that as well. If if you're in a surplus but you're training a lot, you're going to be able to kind of make sure that that is or a good por- a good portion of that is turning into muscle tissue again everything in moderation you 
aren't going to gain more muscle just because you're eating even more food than you are. So small, small surplus in terms of fats, fats are very, um, again, fats have had a bit of a bad rap in the past. Um, but fats are very, very important for hormone, uh, hormonal, uh, for hormone function and stuff like that. So your general health and well-being. a lot of people cut out fats thinking that fats are kind of just directly stored as fat. That's a bad, bad thing to do. Uh, so fats very important. And then protein, your body doesn't really have a, a storage mechanism for protein, um, essentially, but proteins are broken down into amino acids. Amino acids are kind of like building blocks for your body to, you know, repair and build muscle tissue. So, uh, when you eat protein, when, sorry, when you go to the gym, breaking down muscle tissue, it's tearing it and stuff like that. Um, so when you eat protein, you're basically providing building blocks for that to be repaired essentially at the end of the day. And it's, again, very important. Um, is there any perfect balance between all those macronutrients? No, it generally will come down to what's um, useful for you and, and, and what's, what's going to be best for you, like for you and fit in your lifestyle. But um, there, there are probably some minimal uh, ranges that you'd want to stay in with all of those. But again, it's, it's too highly sort of individual to kind of give out blanket statements on here, I'd say. Uh, yeah, and I have, I have a last question. Uh, it's more in terms of some kind of like advice you'd give to more so the bodybuilding clients. So for me, I'm a bit of a, um, a loser for not having vegetables in my diet. So when mm. I'm on when I'm on like a diet, I'll have vegetables because I want to stay satiated. But for someone like me who has to consume four thousand or five thousand calories to maintain build a bit of muscle, I just don't have room for vegetables. So from a bodybuilding perspective, try and sell to me having vegetables because well, obviously this is, this is obviously i'm speaking to a nutritionist for sports instead of a dietitian i'm sure a yeah. dietitian would have me a different answer yeah they would they would well they would say more from health and i th I, I don't know if um i don't know what they, i don't know the answer they give you i don't know if from a dietitian's point of view bodybuilding is the healthiest of sports actually i don't i don't know if it is or not like food wise but actually maybe it probably is because bodybuilders on, on average, we, you know, we'll try and eat, you know, the cleaner foods and stuff like that. We don't try and put too much shit in your bodies. Um, I would say from vegetable point of view, man, there's, there's pretty good links between um, vegetable consumption and reduce sort of mortality rates pretty much across the board. So that's, that's really good. Um, I would say, try and try and get some in. I mean, so, in the UK, they say five servings of fruit and veg a day, don't they? For um, for kind of what you should aim for, that's like ridiculously low actually compared to worldwide standards. Like it's that's not even like um, I think I think they're based off of you know the the people who sort of set standards for health and and across the board. They basically go, what's a good what's a good number we should be aiming for? What will people actually likely eat if we can set some standards in Japan? I think it's like 14 servings of, of fruit and veg a day. So it's, you know, oh, we're, we're on the lower end. Um, so vegetables are good. Vegetables are good for you. You get a lot of your micronutrients from vegetables. I would say even if you're, you're you know, packed out on, on calories and you're struggling to eat it, try and include them a little bit or, you know, you're probably better off juicing or blending some in, into some sort of shake. Yeah, that's why I prefer doing the mornings for myself. I just blend a load of fruits. But what was your opinion on obviously the multi greens from places like My Protein? Obviously, yeah, getting yeah I don't know about them. I, if I'm honest, I haven't really looked into them that much. I would say 
the, the closer you can get to kind of nature is always going to be better, isn't it? Let's be honest. So if you can, if you can have vegetables, I mean, uh, put it this way, if you're putting some of that into a blender anyway, why couldn't you stick a couple of veg in there instead or or something like that? They're probably, they're probably, if you weren't going to have any veg at all, they're probably, probably good in some sense, but again, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent clued up on that. If I'm being very honest. There we go. Any other final questions? I've got one. Go on then. So I just wanted to dive into one more myth and it's to do with fat loss. And I think a lot of people out there will think fat is lost via sweats. And mm. I just wanted you to dive into how the actually body gets rid of fat, how it burns fat if you're in a calorie deficit. Well, yeah. Okay. So again, I may miss, I suppose I touched on this before a little bit, but essentially, I mean, to, to make it pretty simple, you are, you have a, a total amount of energy your body needs in a day. It's going to be different for every single person on the planet. And that's based off genetics, gender, that's based off of your activity level, your stature, size, how much muscle mass you have, how much body fat you're carrying. It's, it's based off a load of different stuff. And that's called your total daily energy expenditure. So, you know, mine might be 2,500. Jake's could be 3,000. Jack's could be you know, 2000 and Jake's could be, what, what do you say yours was like 4,000 or something. So we, it could be just like across the board. It's, it's going to be different. It's just based off a load of different factors. Um, so to, to lose body fat, essentially, I can't remember what the question was about. I think it was about how, how we lose body fat. Essentially when you want to lose body fat, um, you have a reserve of, of energy on your body. That is, that is what body fat is. is adipose tissue is, um like stored energy for your body to use in in times where you're not getting enough energy in food so if you are in a position where you want to lose body fat essentially you need to not get enough energy in from food so your body is in a position where it's like fuck mate not getting this in from from the food side of things we need this to run or we're gonna be in a bad spot so that's where it takes it from your body fat stores essentially at the end of the day and over time you slowly tap away at those and um you you it reduces over time i think the average person i can't remember this number exactly but it's in like the hundreds of thousands i think the average person has like two to three hundred thousand work calories worth of um energy stored as body fat on their body so essentially you've got to just hack away it bit by bit day by day it's quite a big number actually isn't it yeah i can't remember the full number but i'm i'm almost certain it was in the hundreds of thousands it was it was quite an impressive uh, number but i suppose that's the average person i suppose that takes into account that some people have more some people have less very true mate very true well i think guys we're kind of bringing it to uh, an end of the podcast here jack uh, where can people find you i'm on instagram at jack simons official uh s-y-m-o-n-s um that's it really pretty much oh my podcast the jack simons podcast again sort of just covering different me, me and myself me and myself, me, myself and I, myself and Jack have uh, done an episode on there. So you go check that out. That was a, over, uh, we were covering uh, body, body photo shoot prep. That's what we covered. And uh, I'm going to try and get some range of guests on in the next few weeks. So that should be exciting. Including Jake and Jake. Jake. <laughs> Jake and Jake. Slowly getting everyone on, yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Cool, guys. So we'll, we'll close out the podcast today. Uh, once again, you have been listening to the Triple J podcast plus one because we had another plus Jack one. here today. Um as always, please give a big five-star rating, 
share it as much as you can share it with friends and family if you can tag us on instagram with all of us at the triple j podcast that would be sick um once again you've been listening to us and hope you guys all have a cracking day catch you all soon